Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. You were defeated, left for dead. All is ashes. Your heart stirs, your broken body numbing with the rage of retaliation. Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation, a new board game set in the world of darkness created by the same team behind Vampire the Masquerade chapters. Flyups, imagination leaping ahead. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, 25 Years Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf. And ironically, it is Werewolf the Apocalypse by the way, but ironically... This is a Changing Breeds book, the first one we're getting into for the Bastet. That's Werecats for the layman. And coming with me on this journey, we got the mighty Mike. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to be here. It's not well known that I'm a, I'm a fan, but I am, in fact, a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolves, they speak to my soul, and, and, and so do the Bastet on some levels. There, there's a lot of the Bastet that has it in there. I just feel this is a... They're a good all-around changing breed. I really do feel that. I felt that way a long time. They're not often used, and they're not so intense, although they are cool. Mm -hmm. I feel best in embody that level of cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I'm ref referring to a modern term, I'm making, I mean, you just like, you know, it's just a calm, smooth, you know, 78 degrees always being a best that you get to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. and it's and it's no matter where you are, what you're about, and that's that's kind of what's cool about them. I feel, um, but you're not here for just the raw opinion. Um, what are some of the takeaways you had from the book, Mike? Just in this in this in this intro. Okay, so um, in in the interest of full transparency, I'm going to start with the the stuff that was striking to me reading through it. There's just like flavors of some real colonizer flavored racism in this book. Right. <laughs> um, but it did not poison the variety and the interest that I found from one tribe to the next. It was there. Oh, go ahead. Whoa. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. some, that's a deep, heavy term to use racism. That's the big R. And we tend to like to reserve that for some some easy, low-hanging fruit. But what do you mean in that text? Can you define that a bit? Not the actual term of it, but as you see it out of this book. Where'd you see it at? There's some associations, right, that that definitely dog whistled me. I'll give you an example. I pulled one, right? Um, where is it? I've got it right here in my little note sidebar. Uh, it was in the description of the Swara tribe. And they say... African or feline Swara often decorate the faces of their kits, while human European Swara prefer to mark a youngster on his arm or back rather than across his face. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. You yourself being African-American to me as well. Um, I'm going to I'm going to challenge that a bit. Where is the racism there? 
I don't understand why we need to associate the animalistic suara with Africa and face markings. Hmm. Do you remember what breed the suara are, though? They're cheetahs. Yeah. Okay. And where are cheetahs commonly found? Africa. Do we need to go further or do you feel it answers the question? Well, by itself, it would. But then when you tell me that there are suara that are European. Okay, so we don't have to be Africans to be suara. Um, mm-hmm. We can be cheetahs, right? Cheetahs can be born in Antarctica if you take them over there. Um, and obviously there's interbreeding and intermarriage and you got to get your kinfolk where you can find them for a thousand different reasons in character. Um, and so. Separate, right? Taking any of those elements apart from one another, it probably wouldn't have stood out to me. But sitting them all right next to each other, it just kind of just just it wasn't like a, a gong, right? It's just a little little bell ring in my brain. I think that's an example of what's wrong with the times right now that we no longer read or enjoy entertainment to get the entertainment for what it was written for, where it's one thing like we did the second inquisition, but I'd say that's as nasty as we've gotten with a book because we demanded more story. That's bottom line. We demanded Mm -hmm. more story for the pricing and felt that fans deserve a right to know when we come to this book though, but we ultimately that book's fine for V five, right? We knew when it wasn't tagged. It's it does its job. Mm -hmm. This book is telling you something new and I'm a big fan of it. So when I saw when I read that same section, I said, well, everything's kind of lined up, right? The Bagheera are where where Panthers and where Leopards, right? They embody the noblest and most ferocious sides of the Bastet. Okay. Balam are where Jaguars, right? Um, you have the Bubasti, you have Were Tigers, Were Tigers, Khan, India. Okay, we're there with that. Pumanka are where cougars, and that's North America. But they never said, never are they saying that because they were taking territory of a certain area that they have to be tied to that human race that is there but they do sprinkle it in pretty liberally right now let's understand that sprinkle in liberally part that you're looking at is your inference now what i mean by that is you can actually be looking for something to complain about and you're creating it in your own mind and it's an easy thing to do when you play connect the dots, because what they're saying is, is that there's territory given and these creatures, the best dead, don't even think they're human. That's the thing to understand. That's anything. So how how is it racism is what I'm talking about? So it feels well. So the reason why I describe it as a little bit of a colonizer flavored is because it does not feel malicious to me. Right. Like, I don't feel like some white supremacist was secretly seeding. Um, their rhetoric into this text. For that matter, I I like this book, and if I felt that way about it, I wouldn't enjoy it. But right. I do see some of the bias, some of the assumption that, to your point, I probably wouldn't recognize as a college student. It's definitely got to be um like a an outgrowth of the of the present day, right? All of this furor in the media about the racism this and discrimination that and blah 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 political correct i wouldn't rec- i might not have recognized it in the past but i see it now i hear it now there's just these moments where you need to point out to me that cons tend to be chinese and indian and big broad-shouldered resplendent beautiful exotic you know um and it just it happened often enough that I didn't naturally brush it aside, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
Well, what I will say is I don't know Philip Ricardo personally or Bill Bridges and Richard Dansky. I don't know those three, but they did this book. Um, I also don't know that I ever took this book that way. I do back your your feeling on it, though. I'm not saying in any way you shouldn't feel that way. But I will say this. It shouldn't have stopped the, the, the success of this book, and it didn't. And it also shouldn't stop the fact that it's worth the read because I feel just what you said. That sometimes you can read something some type of way. We're now predisposed to look to the pain of what we're enjoying versus the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. here's the thing. And I believe this wholeheartedly. Just because we tell a story about Africa, I don't need to be black to talk about Africa. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm European doesn't give me a right to talk about anywhere else that is in Africa. Right. I want to point that out. This is for entertainment. And in that regard, we also have to make way for because we can't create an environment where somebody gets away with freedom, you know, taking that speech privilege away by saying we have to be in a certain regard, but we can't exist in an area where we said, man, that felt close to the mark, man, you're a friend of mine. Do you think I'm right or wrong? And what I will say is, is that's what just happened here Mm. where I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm definitely not agreeing with you, Um, but that, but that's okay. That's okay. Because I also feel that a lot of what the culture of what the best did do is just that these cats are cool. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is that to them, it's not they didn't seed places where they had they were forced to come from the kinfolk or nothing like there was no forcing to them. These cats chose places of interest mm-hmm. that was curious. Them. So when you say that they're European, um, um, I just slipped my mind. The Swara. Thank you. That yeah. they're a European Swara. To me, that just means there are some Swara who had interest in Europeans. They got curious. They came around and touched on Africa and said, where are they from? And they, they snuck on board the ship. And went with them in whatever way that meant. Right now, you could be negative and say on the slave ship in chains, I could go or (laughs) as a trader with goods or as a cat on a ship. I mean, any way you want to slice this, I guess you can. But I choose to walk with my head held high shoulders back, Jack. That's how I choose to see things. And this is no different. But the same, too, can be said that when they saw Africa, what did they think when they saw it? It must call the dark content, the land of opportunity in a, in a lot of ways, because they it was secrets. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is it so raw and primal? And what is this this land like? It's everything that Colin has drawn people to Africa over the centuries. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think the Swar were done well in the, in that regard uh, to be that. Right. Because what are their what are their attributes? Right. They're the. They get the messenger speed and the traveler's urge and, you know, unknown to most best of these sleek and subtle creatures hide a spiritual power. Most werecats can't match that in them. But to me, I like to think what got them there. That's the traits, right? So they're these messengers and these travelers. It's in them to go abroad. And they said, man, Africa's cool to settle. Why? There was a raw spiritual power. They felt they were able to harness it and made it who they are. And, And I would I would challenge you to open up and think of it that way. Because to look at it another way, because some writing doesn't fit the nomenclature today, because let's admit this, any writing that comes out today, I'm inherently not going to like, not because of the, not because of the content, because (laughs) I can tell when a writer, man, to be an editor today is to understand that what creativity comes your way, you have to kill it and neutralize it. Right. Sanitize it at least. (laughs) You have no ability, man. And that's, and that's, that's the problem. But thankfully there's assholes like me. They're going to tell it true. Right. Mm -hmm. And you who are going to see it and call it out for what it is. And I think this book could still live in these times to an open mind. All that said, all that said though, let me give you a taste of something I think was amazing in this book. Mm. That comic, that comic, uh, (laughs) two hearts, the tale of the Amazon. Yeah. 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 it, It set me on fire. Again, 
I've read this Bastet book at least a dozen times, and I and I think I sat down with my brother here, and we were trying to figure it out because me and him bonded over Werewolf, and when the Bastet came out, we were annoyed because way we first encountered Bastet is that there was some asshole at a LARP who had to, there was no LARP rules for it. And so he just made these house rules for it. He was buddies with the ST. Hmm. So we're dealing with some weird, quirky guy walking around saying a lot of meows and he's <laughs> too cool for school, able to disappear to women, cause problems and steal things and raise a bunch of hell, but had no reason for doing it. But it was, it was an exercise in showing what he read in the book that he could do. And that was that. Well, what did we do? We went out and bought the book. Because right. we said, in no way did they make a book that that was the norm. That shitty role play was what we have to look forward to. <laughs> so let's see what we would do with it. And maybe maybe he's right a little bit. Is it, Are they just annoying? Um, to his credit, he just didn't give time for that book. Yeah, let me take that back. The player didn't think about what this book was trying to tell him. And so it was a lot of difficult things that he was trying to embody when he was playing a Bastet and LARP game. Like, case in point, you're a human, fine, but when you read the Bastet book, there's an odd language it's written in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it, circuitous is not the right word, but it's definitely the kind of thing you read it and you understand it, but then you have to read it again because it's like as quickly as the meaning of the words come to you, it fades from your mind. And so you got to choose some more. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll get more into this. I'm a little off the comic, but the point is that he had a lot of trouble digesting that. We'll get to that. Put a pin in that. Yeah. But the comic itself, it's a, it's a multi-part comic battle centered on a pack of werewolves, right? Who have to fight through an ambush of an army of Fomori in the middle of the Amazon. Now, at this point, we don't know anything really about what's going on, on Amazon. I, I, I've, well, we kind of have insight from the, uh, the heroes book, right? That they did mm. sort of a who's who of guru heroes. And they're slowly shedding light and trickling out to you by the release of books. But here they give you a comic of what they're talking about. And it doesn't matter what you know about it. Cause here we have three werewolves who are being tracked. You have the uh, one narrator is one of the werewolves, the survivor of the three. Mm -hmm. And the other one is the best at. Yeah. And they're telling you what's going on. And that comic's worth reading. I'm not going to spoil everything. But what you have in here is that a bested um, is hunting the Fomori because they're, they shouldn't be there. And uh, he calls them the rotted hearts. Right? That's what he's, that's the scent he's going on in his, his language. Uh, the guru would call it more untainted. But differences of cultures, right? That's how they see it. But they're there pursuing it. But the bested do not trust the guru either. Right. And they're very territorial. You're on territory you shouldn't be on. Because to the best at that predator's instinct, it's hunting its prey. Mm -hmm. And that would be the Fomori. And now there are wolves here. It'll hunt them too. But then it finds out that, oh, we're not in cahoots. So the best at does the smart thing. Right? He waits till the enemy engages. And then just the best at goes to handle what it does. It's pretty cool. A surprise appearance by a Macaulay, and I'll leave it at that. But it's <laughs> worth... It's worth... Exactly, lots of mansion, right? But it's worth reading. Some badass drawing in here. I believe Ron Spencer does the book. It's it's worth it, right? It's worth just to get that. Even if you have a buddy, borrow it from someone or pay the PDF. Easily worth the money to check it out on that alone. Um, however, once you get past that, it's a reminder of some of the coolest wording that I've ever seen in a comic book. And I'm gonna give a little bit of that because I think it's worth it. This is the, from the narrator, the Bastet. Um, they say. My land, says the wind, is full of dragons and of rage which moves the earth. My land is full of anger. Watch how you tread when you intrude upon the wind's domain. 
and you would have no clue what the hell that means, but we can infer a lot from the comic helping us out. And this is an example of the proof of how the Bastet talk, by the way. And in here in the comic, because the pictures speak a thousand words here, it helps you get it. It says my land, and in this it's referring to the Amazon where they're at, or its territory, um, says the wind, which by the way, the wind is the narrator, <clears throat> is full of dragons, the dragon being the Macole, right? And of rage, which moves the earth. And of that rage, it's talking about the werewolf, right? It's pretty good. Moves the earth is a direct reference to Gaia. See guy a little bit differently. And then it says, my land is full of anger. And it's talking about the warring between the three. The Macaulay, the Bastet, and the werewolves, right? Watch how you tread. Because what they're referring to here, we're all tracking the same thing that shouldn't be here, which is the Fomori. And we're warring with it, and we're here to kill this, this nastiness that's here. However, you're intruding on domain. Meaning, nobody asked the wind. If they could be there. Now, the Macaulay isn't going to. But remember, the Bastet view the Macaulay as dragons. That's what he referred to him as him here, as if you were expected to be here. Dragons <laughs> are ancient. You were here before us. You're here again. What's no up, problem. <laughs> right. Right. Like a high five. Right? Nothing to be said there. But when it gets down to it, why it's saying watch how you tread is because there is a cool comic strip where it shows the Bastet on one side, the Macaulay's eye on the other one, and the Guru in the middle freaking out. Right, because of how it introed. But in that slide that it gives you, the eye contact, it's the way it was drawn. It shows that the werewolves live in a small world. Mm-hmm. A small world with a small view. And they have no idea about the the open mind they need to have because they were not the only changing breed brought into this existence to do a task. And so here the best that's like, I'm putting you in check for now. I saw you, you came here, we did some stuff, you alive. That's it. But Get your ass out of my territory. Don't be here when lunch or don't be here when breakfast come around. Right. And then the best that's gone and the Macaulay's gone and the werewolf basically poops himself and passes out. Right. That's how it that's how it happens. But what's cool about that and this distinction is that there's a lot said in few words with a with a level of poetry and prose. I don't even know if prose is the right word. It's a it's a poetic way of it's cool. Right. They call it the Tala. Right. That's their uh, their way of speech. It's a way of giving secrets away without anyone else knowing what's going on. So yeah. d- describe that little bit of what the Tala means to them. They use this terminology whenever they're around people who don't know them. And more or less, they want to talk to other best debt. Like if it's an important thing they're saying, they'll speak in the Tala. Otherwise, they probably don't speak at all. And they rely on their gestures to speak for them, which is very cat to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it's a topic of a whole other sidebar, right? Supposedly they can say more with a flick of the whispers, whiskers than others can with a whole paragraph. Something like that. But now go back to that LARP. And you had some guy walking out there trying to emulate the Tala. And so when he spoke, it was in riddles to a bunch of guru at their cairn. And he was happy he was there seeing their secrets, but he didn't want to say anything. But instead of just talking plain, he either barely spoke, smiled the whole time, by the way, he did get caught stealing fetishes and he's speaking. He's trying to match this Tala, but didn't have the time to write a book like the three authors did. Right. right so right. it's not coming out as cool as he wants. It makes him seem more sus. And, you know, it goes bad for him. But I did dig the attempt when I sat there and went, you know, he made an attempt that must have got frustrated five minutes in. That's a lot of energy. Well, and it, and it makes sense, right? Because number one, one of the things that stood out to me about these Bastet, all of the tribes, just in general, 
like cats, solitude. They don't have a society that's structured around a pride. And so if you can uh, communicate with that level of subtlety and at the same time, when you use words, you can do it in a way that's veiled. It's tough being in a room full of people who can't hear any of it. It's like being a polyglot in a room with people who only speak one language. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And uh, roll it forward a bit. To touch on the Bastet's outlook of Guru, you know, they say to most Bastet, the Guru are messy, genocidal dogs. They do a dirty job, but they've let the violence in their own nature go to their heads. Now, you're a werewolf fan, right? Pro-werewolf, I imagine. <laughs> How'd that what? make you feel? Um, it made me feel like I wish I had read this book before I played my first game of werewolf. Because it's true. It really is true. You get into the, depending on your player group, you get into the social dynamic, you know, with the people at your table. Auspices mm-hmm. reaching over one another, trying to accomplish a task. You know, you find out who your cannonball is and who your spirit person is and who your uh, monkey person is who goes and talks to them when you when the rest of your pack is lupus. Like you spend all your time working all of that stuff out. And it's easy to miss that. Werewolves just have this big problem in common of of biting and clawing and smashing things too hastily. And not recognizing that the wormish influence of their violence can often be greater than whatever harm it was they were trying to solve with it. Right? So it rang very true when I read that. I feel you. I'm, I'm actually not going to disagree with that at all. That's that's how I felt about Werewolf for a while, not just in reviewing books. Werewolf was always my second favorite to Vampire because I, I did... Okay, just to put that distinction there... If you look at Vampire, you can call them scheming, backstabbing, violent, power trip players play Vampire who are only in it for themselves. Yet when I played a werewolf game at a LARP where the focus was werewolf, or even in a tabletop, it was a bunch of people scheming to get up in their tribe, which was the same thing as a vampire trying to improve in their clan. They were trying to improve at the Sept to get a better position and more gifts and access to the spirits, better renown. Vampires fight to get higher rank and station using, well, their status. Mm-hmm. I found high similarity in it and really no difference. And so I sat there and said, well, vampire is more populous, but werewolf is, is more fun for me in regards that I could go there during the day and we could eat in character. That was really the draw <laughs> for a lot of it, right? Just and, and also really because they were closer to being alive and thus human and thus more relatable because it's less energy to do. However, people want to say not as cool. Now, there I differ. I think werewolves were just as cool as vampires. Just they didn't get it. They didn't come first. I'll be honest. If they came first, I bet it'd be a different take entirely of probably even for companies of how they approach stuff. But, oh yeah, also the eco-terrorism thing really kind of threw me off. Still does a bit, but that's that's okay. <laughs> but when I got to Bastet, I warmed up to the eco-terrorist idea because it wasn't about eco-terrorism anymore. That's the brutality of werewolf. Trying to point out to you that they're like the, dep- how can I say this? They're, if, if goths did nothing but take... Um, straight up steroids back in the eighties and nineties and hit the weights and like got real, like, you know, if everybody was techno Viking built yeah. ever going to the clubs, yeah. decided they were going to enforce their way of life and make people see the truth. The world's coming to the end. The apocalypse is nigh. Now is the time. That's, that's kind of how I f- channeling that sad boy energy into that iron temple. Right. And you go from being emo to being a rage beast who dresses the same. 
<laughs> right, but they but they still got that clickish tribalness, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of how I felt that werewolf uh, presented itself a bit. Um, however, vampire me, we didn't have to worry about all that stuff. There was frenzy, we could ignore it. Mostly it was us with immortality, and you get the idea. Hmm. But when I read about the Bastet's outlook of themselves, where uh, the Bastet of a higher purpose, right? They want to watch over the earth. And they also, I like how they put this, to taste the shadow's wisdom and bring it back to Selene, the moon mother whose blessings created all changing breeds. And I said to myself, that's classy. <laughs> that's, that's refined. That's like sitting back with the right glass of wine, enjoying a little bit of what you're playing. Yeah. like, And, and so this, I don't want to segue too far off topic if you're going somewhere, but I got this sensation from reading the Bastet that they are what the werewolf tribes would be with if they had any sense, right? They're like what a werewolf will mature into. And I, the way that I got there, like in a, on a related point, is that I was looking for what the Bastet's purpose is that distinguishes them from a guy. Mm. And the, the conclusion that I came to was that I really couldn't find one. I didn't spend weeks with this book. I spent days, but I couldn't find one that was super duper distinct, right? Like Macaulay being the memory of the earth or whatever. And so I said, no, these, these Bastet are kind of on the same mission. The cats are doing the same thing as the dogs. They just got more style. Yeah, and class about it. more style. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's that's why you know, like right people will be talking about this right now. You can appreciate a little swagger in your play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. good to go. So, um, when you look at this though, it's like, well, where's this? How are we going to make these relationships work in terms of understanding werewolf two best at? Like, how are they just not a cool version of what the werewolves wanted to be? Well, the answer is is that. You could look at it that way, but you got to remember where the worlds are at. They're in a downslope. To them, they've been defending just Gaia. Mm -hmm. Well, let's understand the best that a bit. In their creation myth, they talk about Ahu, which is the beginning and end of all things. Right. It's the epitome of the Umbra and all of outer space, right? But there is no material anything. It's, it's only spiritual existence of end of all things and beginning. But nobody knows what this is about. The best at do an important thing. They don't try to know what it's about. Ahu is unto herself, and they give it a feminine connotation because it would be. Because only women have the gift of creation. Mm. Right? We know this because how do they tie to it? Well, very much like I feel an animal would. Well, it's only mothers that birth children. Therefore, Ahu must be the mother. Yeah. Right? That's how yeah. they see it. It must be a woman. Now, they, they drop this down further and say, well, also further, she was wise enough that she didn't want to give birth to all things, but she was bored. And so Ahu's sort of like, man, I wish somebody was here. And then the light answered. So instantly, they don't go and explain who made the light, what was the light, why it was light. It was like, you're Ahu, right? You, you mentioned it, and Nala, the first mother, came walking in. But Nala is that wild, crazy young mother who's living it up. She's like dancing her ass off. Ooh, baby, yeah, every night's going out. We gonna live it up, right? Making no promises to anybody. And right. what's she doing? She's spinning the world into existence. She needs to have some fun. Let's bring some fire and some comets and some planets. Let's bring it all. And she won't stop dancing. And I, who's like, I kind of wanted someone I could talk to. Maybe. Chill out. Chill out a little bit. 
like like it's cool watching you dance around what the hell and then out of nowhere she's like well i mean i'll try again let me say hey someone entertain me and out of nowhere walks in this smooth looking panther (laughs) right big panther sleek black looking smooth cat daddy and it's raja the maker is what he's called and of course raja is the weaver Mm-hmm. Now we get the idea if the wild's coming in, just throwing stuff out and not giving it any real definition or staying power, or it's just there, right? Raja comes in and goes, nah, baby, slow down. I'll dance with you. Check it out. <laughs> Meow. Yeah, yeah. Let me lick you here a little bit yeah, right yeah. there. Watch how clean I could be. See the earth looks better. Call that guy a pat her out her butt. Get her on her way. How about Neptune and Jupiter? Let's get this stuff some names, baby girl. Let's, <laughs> let's go dance out in the cosmos. Chill out. Well, then she didn't notice it. Raja's cool and all, and Nala's really hard to nail down because she's just, you know, wild, mm-hmm. as it says in her name, right? Um, Kalash, the Unmaker. This is the smooth, shadowy, mysterious brother. Where Raja came in all proud and, you know, awesome and sleek. Kalash came in quiet, went to the bar, ordered her favorite drink, but didn't tell her how he knew it was her favorite drink. <laughs> And sat there in a fly suit, had it all going on, blinging all day. And when she came walking up, she's like, ooh, you're a panther too, but you're different. And Kalish just turned away from her, guaranteeing her interest, but didn't say shit. Right? Hooked her on what he do. And they, and, and the best, they call him the Dark Father. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though it's the Unmaker, even though the werewolves call him the Worm, he's the Dark Father. Right? They call him dangerous. He's seductive. He's ultimately essential uh, to, to their livelihood as they see it. He's um. Both him and Kalash serve a role here. They call them both the king of cats for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, they're made to, to I took, you can tell me if you disagree. I took it as opposite sides of the same coin, right? They're, they're both the king of cats because Raja or whatever his name is, is the father in the sense that he gives name to what's here. He creates order. He teaches time management. He says, nope, this is what this is for. Stop tripping. Chill out. Sit down. Listen. Right. And he, he just, he gives us shapes, boxes to put stuff into. Um, whereas Kalash, if I'm getting that name right, wrong, whatever, um, is the father in the sense that he creates opportunity for what we have to become something else. Because eventually what, what Raja is giving us is going to get stale. It's going to need to get chewed up, broken down into its essence. And then we just serve it back up to mom, do something with this. And in this relationship, you could even get along with it because you could talk through this, right? I'm not going to disagree with you. That's that's a side of that story, which yeah. some best had absolutely prescribed to. But you could also say Ahu really dug all three of them. Mm. She needed Nala in her life, but because Nala brought something from nothing. And it was great to see Nala, but even Nala liked to slow down a bit and dance with Raj and enjoy that stability. But what Kalish represented was the fact that he'd walk in and just wreck, wreck house. And he wouldn't give any reason for it. Destructive. Look, I hate to play stereotypes, but college is the abusive side piece where you go because you need them sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) They shake things up when you feel life is routine and boredom and that and that and that that depression's kicking in because everything's same old, same old. In comes Kalash. Well, you haven't broke it yet, have you? Maybe (laughs) that's the break a door to find out what a sliding glass door would look like in your house. God damn it. And that's it. And then college gives you reason. Now, where that's a fun way to look at it, it's also very easy to get because a lot of the terms are different. Now, but to werewolves, to break it down, remember, Ahu is all things, Nala is the wild, Rosh is the weaver, and Kalash is the worm. So still these terms are here. 
Mm-hmm. But to werewolves, wait a second. Kalish in a positive light? What are you, a stargazer? Right? Immediately. So, <laughs> yeah, because if the worm was doing what he was supposed to, it wouldn't be a bad thing. And also, the Bastet, and you can tell me if I misinterpreted this, but I'm pretty sure I caught it correctly. They have this tale in their lore of Kalash like externalizing all of his negative emotion into the Aharu or whatever that word was. And then it like seeps into the, the corners yes. and cracks and shadows. Right. So it's like, it's like the Bastet see the worms imprisonment as a separate event, a separate entity from the worm itself. I don't think they see it as an imprisonment, but they see it as two brothers fighting. They're yeah. fighting for the affection of knowledge. It's what they did before. Because we're not done with the story. Just because we know who's dancing with who, yeah, yeah. you got to remember, there's still only one Nala. Right. Right? And mm-hmm. they're both being very much like, uh, they're, they're trying to be uh, be open relationship about this, right? Mm-hmm. See, Nala would call Rajan and Kalash her partner. They're each a partner. Yeah. And she spends time with each of them. Nala's but every time she's... Life. Exactly. And why, and why you spend time with one, the other one gets jealous and does something knuckleheaded, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what happens. But coldly, who do they pick on? Gaia. They turn around and go, remember that earth mud ball? Yeah, I'm going to sit down because I'm a panther and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show her what I could do. And, and Raj is like, well, you out with Kalash ending some stuff and creating black holes and figuring out what love feels like and maybe lust. Freaking <laughs> lust. He's over here licking Gaia and, and forcing mountains and forests and, and natural. He's forcing order all over Gaia. And Gaia's sitting there like, what the hell are you doing? I, wh- why? Just why? And he, he does all this. He's like, chill out, relax. You're here. You'll be fine and puts her in the corner and Nala comes back is like what did you do and Raj is like isn't it cool I gave you a world to go dance and now we can go down there and have some fun there's some living stuff and some people in corners it's cool let's go check it out and she's like alright I guess that's can we go talk for a second Raj is like yeah look baby honey baby boo boo I missed you too I was over you know how Kalash can get on my nerves doing all the crazy stuff all the time right and Kalash went they're gone and he looked down at the planet and that's when he did what you're talking about Mm-hmm. That in this okay. order, he 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 was licking guy too, and, and and infusing his emotions and secrets all over the place, so that whenever Nala gets comfortable with something, an event would happen. And really, what it, what it's saying is that this is the reason why catastrophes happen. As calm and cool as everything is, Rasha doesn't want a a, a super earthquake to rend anything or a meteorite to just crash and destroy the dinosaurs. Rasha doesn't want that, but Kalash does. Right. And that's and that's what happens. And this warring happens. And Nala, though, is sad and depressed. They did it at all and gets pissed. And she stops coming around them and she disappears for a time. And these guys miss her and they don't know what to do. Well, in the cause of them being gone, an event happens. Guy is sitting there and she just, you know, she's getting jacked all around and something took place. Something Raj had put down had been corrupted by Kalash. And it becomes like this evil serpent dragon Hydra thing. That sits in a cave and poor mankind or the shining children, as they refer to mankind. We've been sitting around just living a life like so far. We've been somehow slipping through the cracks. We're okay. It's old school times, though. This is when caves were dark as the abyss. Right. And that's cool. Because we didn't have fire yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And secrets were in there, but we couldn't go to certain caves. We're forced to come out because this dragon was there and there was fear of it. We didn't know what to do. We were forced out of our home. Well, there was a saber tooth. Hopping around because I love that part of their myth that, hey, we we actually know about cats because of the saber tooth. 
there were twins and like a whole group of them. But regardless of that, there was one in particular, was just a bastard was <laughs> eating its own kind. It was hunting and killing other saber tooth and eating them. So they just threw that one out to cave. It was like, get out of here. You're not safe here no more. And a saber tooth like, whatever, I'm over here now. Well, they did the same thing to a human, which they determined was a mage. All his magic kept this person separate and they were forced far from mankind and couldn't be there anymore. Well, what happened is these two found a cave together, but wouldn't share the territory. And they fought for a long time trying to kill one another. And when they realized they couldn't kill each other, they're like, we're fighting in the same damn cave that dragon's in. They're like, yeah, well, how about we just team up and kill it? And maybe that space will give us what we're looking for. Right. And so they, right. so they go in and they go to kill the dragon and they do kill the dragon. But this Hydra had ripped their flesh open, caused grievous mortal wounds, and they kind of collapsed together. All three corpses, right? And, uh, or, or, or the dying. And all of man goes inside to see what's going on. And then the cats came in to see what's going on. And everybody's just reaping rivers of tears mingled with their blood over what went on. And Gaia knows about it. And Gaia's crying. And Celine's kind of like the moon, folks. This is Luna for, for you werewolf type. And she <laughs> comes down and is like, what's, what's going on here? And then she sees everybody weeping and the blood mingling with the water. She said, well, you know what? I'm just, she starts crying. And when every teardrop, though, formed one of the best at the union of the species there this would be man well really a magician with that of uh, uh excuse me uh the saber tooth was sacred blood but they were poisoned weren't they yeah by the blood because, of the dragon <laughs> exactly so they get the form of uh, the first best that were out of her tears now that's not saying that's how all changing breeds are formed they're saying that's how they were formed and then they were allowed to go into the earth or go around the earth and do what they do. But they knew always what they were there to do, right? They're there to kind of be themselves. They're protectors. They're here to protect. But ultimately, they're there to be best at. Right. Right. Just like a kid. It's, 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 it's how it is. We're here to learn secrets and a balance. And so what is it to a best at mine are they saying here? Well, what they're saying is best at are territorial, but best at can see reason. And logic is a part of what they do. But they are still primal, and they will never not be that. Mm -hmm. Which is why I thought that tale was cute, or rather quaint is the term, like it fit. Because what it is, their way of telling stories and how they do the, uh, do the narrative in this book is that it's basically uh, two people come along, uh, it's two changers come along to a Bastet, and they want to talk to him, and kind of talk the Bastet up. And the Bastet doesn't say much, but then says, how about we play a game I do among my people? And they're like, what's that? We'll tell secrets for secrets. And I'm like, what? That's right. I'll tell you a story, and you will tell me a story, and we'll both tell him a story, and he'll tell us both a story. And in the course of learning these stories, we'll know more about each other and pass the time here before we go our separate ways in the world. Which is very much what the Bastet do. That's the narrative. So it, it immediately removes you, the reader, from thinking any type of way other than, oh, these are great stories they're telling on the road. Because the narration was set and the setting of the storytelling was set, these are stories. Yeah. What you get from it is what you get from it. And that's how it goes. But we know what to get from it here, right? It's giving you clear guidance of how to take it and thus makes it better content. You can get behind it and understand that, okay, if we all share a similar story, granted, every tribe is going to have their differences a bit. This is pretty cool. I, I can dig it. I'm with it. But you also understand why Kalash the Unmaker isn't this amazing destructive force killing Gaia because they already said <laughs> the Weaver and Wilder do a bang up job doing that before they abused the hell out of Gaia already 
And in, 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 excuse me, uh, Raj and Kalash, I meant. Uh, the maker and unmaker have already done their damage on Gaia, and Nala basically warned them, don't do it again, and they did it again, right? Yeah, That's- I mean, they seem, the bastards seem a lot less consequentialist than the Garu. They seem like they can recognize that these entities have personalities, sometimes things happen, you can't roll time backwards, <laughs> and they just appreciate the dynamic in a more three-dimensional way. Now, what's cool about it is that I think the, the authors couldn't get away from talking in that Bastet speech either. Because when they try to tell you that after the introduction, they're like, oh yeah, don't forget, there are nine tribes in this book. Well, there were once eleven. And, you know, one completely died and another one, well, let's just say now there are nine plus one. Right? <laughs> nine tribes plus one is like very cat of you. Because naturally you want to know why there's a plus one and they're like, well, read the book and no more. Right, and how they do it. It's like, thank you, uh, uh, Bagheera. I appreciate it. Uh, whatever. Um, right, which is pretty slick. Now there are a ton, right, of of the nine tribes. Uh, Mike, you wanna wanna read a little bit about them? Do you have them in front of you? Yeah, or, I got to. I mean, we, we're gonna go through all of them, or you want me to start well, at the top, or how are we doing this? Just give <laughs> just give a little taste. I feel I wax poetic at times. Want to give you some space here. Tell me about these nine tribes a little bit. Give me a blurb if you could summarize what they are. Roll through it. Okay. Um, hmm, let me. So your Bagheera are were panthers. They're like, they're like the middle ground to me is what they feel like for all of the tribes because they have a little bit of everybody's flavor in reading them. They can be, they can have like the extreme ferocity of a Simba or a Khan under duress. And at the same time, um, have that deep curiosity and knowledge of a of like a Bubasti, right? Um, so Bagheera feel like I want to say Bruja not because they're the same, <laughs> uh, but because you know how every vampire player like I don't know what to play. I guess I'll play a Bruja. They're like that to me, right? Um, next, next we have the uh, Balam. Am I? You think I'm pronouncing that close to right? I do. Before we roll today, what I want to say about the Bagheera, because it didn't quite fit with me, because Bruja almost have a built-in... Um, I hate... I don't, I don't want to refer to anything sensitive. Let me put it in terms and get... They have a poorly controlled emotional problem. Yeah. Yeah. Built in. Like the that's beast, not true of the Bagheera at all. No, but the Bagheera embody that, right? They're a part of that, right? They talk about the fact that they're the most noble and the most ferocious, because they represent both halves. However... Um, when they're cool, they're cool. It's just that when it's time to be something else, they are all of that. They don't, uh, they don't, they, in other words, they're not half-assers. Yeah, they go all the way. I, I see what you're you, saying. You agree with they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Um, so our Balam are, are where jaguars, right? They uh, supposedly come from two branches of our Bastet <laughs> uh, 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 family. Uh, <laughs> But they, they fight they fight for the survival of their ancestral homelands, right? So if you remember from like civil the civilization games on PC, these are your mm-hmm. Jaguar warriors. These are the yes. guys with obsidian axes and, and bludgeons and whatnot. Anyway, um the Bubasti <laughs> plumb the mysteries of magic and science to discover a way to undo the extinction of their kinfolk. They are breedless I mean that in a, in a literal sense, like they don't have a, they don't seem to have a direct analog to a, a big cat in real life, but they right. are like 
the mystically slender Egyptian priest magic cats. <laughs> we are mysterious. <laughs> what secrets have you brought us? Right? It definitely, it definitely embodied that to me too. I agree. For sure. Um, Silicon. Yes. I got that as close as I can get it. Um, they're aware cats in the truest sense. They supposedly died off centuries ago. Um, in reality, they just kind of masquerade as members of other tribes and never stay anywhere too long, like little house cat leprechauns. Um, they and just... these are the go ahead, go and, ahead. And, and these and leprechauns is a great analogy because they're tied to fae. Yeah, that's yeah. the point. They're, they're said to have madness because of it. Because when they were thought to disappear, in reality, maybe disappear was visit Arcadia and they stayed a little too long. Right, they got a little weird. <laughs> got a little. <laughs> they got tweaked. Um, cons, cons, mighty were tigers, uh, sworn to battle the Asura demons on their own terms. If any tribe could lead the best at, the con would be the ones to do so. It also doesn't hurt that cons are freaking massive, right? Like all, all the art of cons is that they're just these great big, you know, Dave Batista shaped tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I joined Khan because when everyone when it says that they would be the ones to lead, I find it most interesting because they're the most destructive popular of of Bastet. Like they're the ones to go in. They don't they got one mission. They're gonna do that mission. Yeah. If, but so the the thing is that what I really, really appreciated about the cons is that they they frame them like Marvel frames Captain America to me. Yep. Like that everybody believes in their nobility and everybody, when they say that they don't lie and that honor is highest, everybody buys into it. And so the fact that when they get on the battlefield, they act like the Hulk is just secondary. We we can push that to the side because we know we've seen them when they're cool and they are honorable. And another way, and another way I see it as um, let's keep them there. Right. Everybody tell them how awesome they are and let's hope that they stay acting that way because the day they realize we got lazy and have overappreciated their protection, <laughs> it's going to go bad for us and the enemy and we're not sure in what order. <laughs> Keep the cons on the couches. Anyway, um the Pumanka wandering where cougars who keep a watchful eye on the lands of North America. I didn't get a hugely strong vibe off the Pumanka. They seem like, I don't know, kind of cousins to Wendigo, sort of. You got it. You got it. This is the tie in here that I got. Well, I say you got it uh, because that's exactly what I read into them, that they are part of that. uh, The native mythos they wanted to attach to werewolf, Mm -hmm. uh, bring that about that. like Thunderbird and Werecougar and, and, and all that and shifters in general, there are, there are positive shifters and whatnot. And they're not all these uh, uh, directly known as shapeshifters and evil thing. Uh, but here you go. And and this is their throw into the lot mix. And what I like about it is that they're not uh, best in our nation. Yeah. And so much that they're united under one thing. You can do your own thing. So you can get that Pumanka have decided they're going to saddle up in North America to protect what they can, but also you get why they've been royally kicked in the teeth. Right. Right. So, um, but, but you, your territory is your territory and why it got so bad. That's on you. According to the best step. Right. That lone, that lone 
not wolf, cat life has got some some ups and some downs. Um, the call me uh, riddling where lynxes. They are the cutest, in my opinion, of the best dead, by the way, um, who confound their companions with enigmatic remarks and tricksters tales. Um, they are like mischievous lore seekers like if the Uktano weren't as corrupt I guess can you, how you feel about that Bob if the Uktano are corrupt there's a there's another group um swear coyotes hmm. are a thing are a thing there's an actual trickster shifter species pretty sure that's it we haven't got to them yet but you're going to see a similarity here where I feel that the Kwame are the beginning and they felt that the Kwame can quite hold the entirety of what they are because to me they speak of a ragabash who's supposed to give wisdom but for werewolves a ragabash is most often often served as sort of an assassin mm-hmm. a remover of problems hard to track infiltrator that's deception is a tool but to the ultimate of defending gaia where i feel the kwami are literally entertained by going around and telling you the skull breaking tales to see what you get from them and to get the wisdom from, like, they would sit down and would watch you play with an infant and claim you somehow gave them the answer of how to take back a Karen <laughs> from the worm. Right. Right. And you would sit there and your brain would bake trying to figure out how the hell did they, what? Like, or you sir. just wouldn't get where they got that. Also, they're the ones most likely to me that would go and rub elbows with uh, the evilest of evil, knowing that they wouldn't be corrupt, but would pretend to be evil just to learn more secrets from them. Right, right, right. Go pretend to be dastardly to steal their knowledge and then run away. <laughs> I think they're 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 what I like to say the Uktena ideally want to be. Right, right. They are they're it's like the Uktena learned their tricks from the Kwame and just weren't as good at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's that might not be fair to Uktena. I don't know. Um anyway, next we have the the Simba. Um, predictably, were lions. Uh, they believe even now that they were born to rule the other tribes by force if necessary. Um, I don't know how to say this in a in a fair handed way. They just seem like pretenders at what the cons actually are to me. They are similarly large, similarly resplendent and beautiful. Um, a little bit fascist. And mean streak. Like, I, I feel like they're the, the strongest identity I get from them, especially based on what the other tribes say about them, is literally that they they wish people thought of them as the cons do, and therefore they act out of bitterness. I will help you understand this in the way that I would explain this uh, to to anyone who wants to understand the Simba. Please, By their please. namesake, we will use the Lion King for reference. That the Simba are both Mufasa and Scar at the same time. Hmm. At right. the same time. Right? To the Simba, all that the light touches is my kingdom. All. Now, why that is, is because the other tribes are too um, childlike. They're too into themselves to understand what responsibility is. That there is a balance to things, and we must maintain this balance. And to me, in a lot of ways, they represent the the, the maker, Raja. Mm-hmm. Right? They mm-hmm. speak of what Raja is. But immediately, they embody also what Kalash is. Because when they are angered, 
when you've entrenched on their territory, when you've come into their territory thinking you are safe or that it's okay that you did it or you won't negotiate, they're the ones to sit down and tell you, let's talk about what you want and what I want, when ultimately, I'm just going to tell you what I'm getting and you're going to tell me what you would like me to give you. <laughs> That's really what this is. Why? I'm a lion. I am the king of the jungle. You are what again? <laughs> right? Do you expect me to listen to a were-rat or a werewolf? Why? I am the king of the shifters, am I not? On <laughs> land, I am the deadliest. Now, the Khan would go, Go oh, talk, yeah? bro. Except <laughs> for the fact we look at the Simba and look at the Khan, that's a fight you don't want to be a part of. And so, here's the thing. I do. I got that impression that if a big angry Simba and a big angry Khan get into a fight, it's going to get messy. But what makes me lean towards the Khan is that the other Bastet don't seem to buy the Simba shit. Like, normally, well, normally when a fascist can back it up, people line up to follow them in spite of whatever flaws or corruption they have, like Blacktooth. Right? Well, here's the, here's the danger of it, though. Where you can write Blacktooth a good game and talk about how badass he is, you don't talk about the Simba deciding he's got to go. Hmm. Because he serves a point and a purpose and he maintains a balance. So to me, the Simba are not off the rails, psychotic, running around saying, you got to do what I say. And they're not inherently bad. What it is, like in the case of a, of a certain war they did or didn't do, depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> what they did to the Ajaba, how they're out, mm -hmm. is that the Ajaba chose the war. And they were going to take territory. But it was the Simba they targeted. And everything in it. I mean, we were talking the Ajaba were killing children. They were killing everything just being nonsense knuckleheads about it. And the Simba turned around and started taking their heads and stacking them up into a pile of skulls. Mm. And to this very day, a narrator talks about in there, I forget which one that says, you want to tell me, what's when they're talking about their litany? You want to tell me that we honor things? Well, I'll tell you a story about how on average, the symbol have as a status symbol and a job of skinned hide that they wear to show their might and their strength. And that's not right. And so the best that don't agree with what the Simba have done, but that's where you see Kalash kind of showing in the Simba. Mm -hmm. Is it wrong? Absolutely, it is to that degree. But at the same time, I'm not a primal instinctive creature who by birth, by every known right, you're strong, you're durable, you're fast. You are definitely able to contain where you're at. You have the charisma and wisdom to become a, become a pride when you need to. Where no other bastard agrees with necessarily having a pride beyond what you're looking for. Like, we'll form a pride, Mike, if we're bastet just to temporarily go do something we couldn't do before. We'll just have any old person that's going to help us is now in our pride, and we'll go deal with that. We'll get to that in a bit. But that's kind of how they see things. To a Simba, we're going to go with other Simba first and foremost. Right. Because they understand leadership. So when I look at Blacktooth, when he becomes a problem, he'll get a job. Because he's <laughs> going to be the only one to stand up there. Ain't nobody else going to come help Blacktooth, because they're going to go, it's Blacktooth. He knew what he was doing when he got into that. Right. This is just but dessert. The, but the symbol will come together. So to that end, that's why they begrudgingly are like, well, the symbol exists, I guess. <laughs> well, you won't do anything about it. Right? Right. There's no way you want to do it. So when you say fascist to a degree, I see that. But at the same time, it's like if no one else is going to, hey, if no one else is going to be the greatest, I guess we're going to be the greatest ourselves. And that's right. the symbol. But to the cons, quiet, cool. They sit back and go, OK, Raja, do your thing. But we're Kalash and we got things to do. Which is why I think Khan versus the Unmaker is great, because to me, they're one and the same. I dig that. I hadn't noticed that, but that makes sense. That makes, that makes big sense. Yeah. Um, we have neglected two more tribes. The, the Swara, um, where cheetahs. 
They embody the messenger's speed and the traveler's urge. Unknown to most Bastet, these sleek and subtle creatures hide a spiritual power few other werecats can match. Um, you can tell me I'm a fanboy here and I don't care. These read like my silent striders. They do. You're not a fanboy. Okay. You're not a fanboy. In any right. other way, in any way you look at it, you pointed out other two, right? You said the Kwame were like which tribe? Uptana. Okay. Um, wasn't there another one you drew a correlation to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumanka read like Wendigo cousins to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so and so you get it. So what they're doing here, this is this is what I like to call creators uh ad lib to attach interest. They want to pull vampire fans into werewolf, and this is how they did it. Mm-hmm. That you can play some of these things and bring them in, and we got that here. We definitely, right? Because think about it. We already pointed out, I need to do it again, that the clans do have a similarity lined up with werewolf. A similarity. Right? A simile. That's what they have on some level. Not all of them, but some mm-hmm. of them do. And it's to wet your whistle, check out werewolf. Well, this is to wet your whistle about werewolf, so check out Bastet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because some of what you like is in here, and maybe in a way that you like it better than you did in werewolf alone. With less restriction, which I think is the draw. Yeah. And that's the that's the over-under out of it. So it's a good read. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I think the ultimate draw of the Suara, though, is that they can, they can hang in Africa. Yeah. That's where they're at. When you think of a game in the dark content and all the things that could be there, like uh, we, we often talk about the fact that we want to do a, do a game in Africa, right? Where we think that'd be awesome, a vampire game, but really just a World of Darkness game. I think it'd be dope to understand that there are more things than Bump of the Night on the continent, the yeah. dark continent, than just some vamps, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and run into that and see what it is. And to know that if you ran into a Swara, you might see in a, in a quote-unquote prince's dwelling, a Swara sits as an advisor. Yeah. And they would, right? happily. And, and, to, and to their hierarchy, it has a purpose, another pod. But that's, that's absolutely what, why I like about them, is I could see them fitting in this idea of them, which makes it work for me, you know? Mm-hmm. To that end, the Ajaba. Yeah. <laughs> the Ajaba, forsaken hyena folk who were cast out of the tribes long ago and who were more recently driven from their homelands by the Simba's scourge. Now, it's interesting. To the Simba, they were trespassers, right? To the hyenas, this was ours before it was theirs. It's an interesting point. Hey, did you know that hyenas are actually cats? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Discovery Channel and a couple other random sources, I, I was very surprised to find out that they share more in common with cats than dogs. Now, for me, I didn't know that. Watching The Lion King with my nephew and my and my brother, and he's just like, hey, by the way, did you know? I was like, you bullshitting. <laughs> he's like, no, what? And I looked it up with him, and I was like, yeah, there it is. So I was like, wow, that's pretty dope. And then I went, now I know why they're in the best step book. Right. <laughs> Perfect, right? Um, I never drew that correlation before. Many times I've used even them in the book. I was like, well, distant lupine cousins. And I was like, man, something in Australia happened rotten. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I didn't figure out how I need to be. I don't even need to get into that. And just left it alone, right? I wasn't trying to be, you know, well, I can't. Can I say Steve? I wasn't trying to be him. But, you know, that's the thing that popped into my head. Sorry if it offended some people. But the point is, um, that's the tribes. Yeah. That's the nine plus one, right? With one that was fell to extinction that we shall not name. Because they didn't. And that's uh, that's cool. At least not not at this point. But to, to round this out, um. We definitely don't want to get into, um, or we're not going to get into just about everything we would like to, uh, but I want to touch a bit on Werecat Society to kind of hammer this home. They don't have one, right? Not, not as you would think. Yeah, but I liked it, though. 
Because so in Werewolf, one of the things I appreciate is that kind of sort of D&D adjacent flavor where if you're a werewolf, you got a pack. Packs have uh, packs and werewolves have auspices. And there's just this ease of bringing everybody into the embrace and just mm-hmm. knowing what life is like at the same time. The way they present the Bastet here makes me feel like it'll be easier to role play because it's closer to the way humans live their lives. Some of us have lots of friends. Some of us don't have that many. Most of those associations are based on circumstances of upbringing or, you know, I got this new job, got to handle that Pentex on the river, <laughs> uh, you know, and then you go handle it and you move on. And you remember your work friend from five to ten years ago, but you don't call him on the phone. <laughs> you know, so the, the, just the way they present the Bastet for me. Made made it seem like it'd be fun to play. They'd be fun to play because they're they don't need a pack, right? Independent, right? That in in and of itself, they're like this weird thing you can just play to play, and, and, and not and not antisocial. No, not antisocial at all. Far from it. Right. That's that chef's kiss. So we <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's it. It's the right salt bay, right? That's how you do it. Um. They also prefer to go it alone and by nature, right? They go through in depth to talk about how territory is the biggest thing that Bastet get into a problem with. This goes back to the way they choose their fosterlings, right? Their fostering, excuse me. It's it, Werewolves get like a loon spirit to tell them, hey, a pup's been born or a first change is happening, blah, blah, blah. That's not what they do, right? To a, to a Bastet, they basically got to catch a, <laughs> a kit, go through their change, right? Their, their, their freak out moment. And they're like, oh, that's a best it, excuse me. And the yeah. one who gets them first, that becomes the mentor for the moment. Well, right, mentors are wrong. The it's mist? not a mentor. Not well, Kuasha. Yes, you got it. Kuasha, that's the teacher. And uh they basically spend time with their new apprentice. They spend 12 months to be precise. Because it's about 12 months, they sit back, they watch, they do what a cat mom would do. Yeah. Hey, learn to play, learn to hunt stuff, do your thing, do what I do. Here, watch some stuff. But at the end of it, um, they tell them what their tribal secret is, what their Yava is, and they disappear. If you can now, handle it. <laughs> right. Every every aspect of the, uh, well, every aspect, every tribe has what's known as a Yava unique to the Bastet. They have a specific set of secrets that they have to obey uh, to, um, to an extent. Well, not, not even have to. It's like, I don't want to call them weaknesses. Weirdly, things are attached to them. You want, to, you want to hunt down an example for me, real quick? Yeah, yeah. Let me let me see if I can just grab somebody's Yava. Um, here, let's do the let's do the cons. We both like the cons. Let's, uh, um, now this is how you guys know I'm not a con because I'm telling you this on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the cons Yava are um, the con belong to the tribe of the sun. When he sleeps, they sleep also. During an eclipse. All cons slumber for one day, then awaken hungry. That's the first. Second, con cannot resist the meat of an innocent child, though it violates their laws to eat it. The second. Third, a tiger cannot resist a direct challenge. To turn away costs him his rage for a fortnight. Um, I understand wholeheartedly why if these things are true the cons would guard them very closely right because in the book they tell tales of those those other tribes where somebody knowing their yava was their yep. undoing 
But I got I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Why do they suggest I forget where it is, but they definitely suggest in another part of this text that not all of the Yavar are necessarily true for a given tribe. Now, I think that was done for a flare of players who think it would be too too confining. Hmm. Okay. Right? You could choose it there or not. There's a lot of STs I've seen use it for that. I don't. If you're going to play a best at, you play the damn best at. Right. You're going to be a child-eating con if you're going to end up being that. Just avoid that situation. Why? This is, adds to their mystique. This is part of your cool. Remember I described Kyla being at the bar? How did yeah. you know this is my favorite drink? Shut up, Nyla. Enjoy that drink. And then turn away. I didn't catch your name. That's right, you didn't. And then just sit there being cool, Modi. This is your opportunity to be that cool thing, right? Nobody knows what makes you tick or why. Or why does a con go to sleep when the sun goes down? They just like keeping a rigid schedule. You know, it's part of that warrior mentality. Is it? (laughs) Right? You don't really know. Up with the sun, down with the sun. That sort of thing. It's also someone can mistake that fool um, with being some sort of reverse vampire. I don't know. Crazy things. Yeah. Uh, can happen right with 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 that sort of play i like it i think it's great but some players would be like oh man it sucks it ruins if we just didn't have that thing they don't like one thing sure take it off you, you don't want to mix and match do your thing that's ultimately why i think they put that there to where you could mm-hmm. uh mess with it a bit the other thing is and what should have sparked it is how does all bastet don't know each other's java or do they that's not clear to me. I imagine that there are certain tribes or certain members of certain tribes who do carry around knowledge of other tribes, Yava. But what does it do to you as a Bastet if somebody finds out that you were going around like sharing tribal secrets, especially of a tribe that isn't your own? What kind of bastard so, are you? So as right. So to the uniqueness of the Bastet, this is the one part I enjoyed about it, that all Bastet inherently know each other's Yava. That's how they do the fostering. Because to all Bastet, every Bastet is precious. Well, wait, wait. I missed that. So the best, you're talking about within a tribe or among tribes, like a Khan knows a Bakir. No, 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 period. If, if like you're a, let's say you're a Swara mm-hmm. and I'm a Khan, mm-hmm. but you're going through, you're a foster, you're, I'm apprentice to you or, or you're apprentice to me. I'm going to hang out with 12 months to show you the basics of being a Bastet. But at the end, I tell you your secret and then I leave. Oh, because your your uh Quasha or whoever your mist is does not is not necessarily a bastard of your tribe. Correct. Ah, oh, so at the end of your year, if you're worthy, they give you knowledge. Oh, that's and then they're out. Now why? Because it was done to them. Right. And when it's done that way, this is a way of life. We don't tell each other secrets. We just don't do that because it could be damaging to all the Bastet. Why? Every tribe has a danger that they will no doubt tell a young uh, kid, this is your secret to keep. It's your promise to, to, to Luna, to Saloon. Now, why is that? Well, because back in the day, we told that story about the dragon and the saber tooth and the human. What did we do when we ran out as Bastet? We weren't necessarily great to the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were out and out bastards, each Bastet kind of doing their own thing, being assholes. And because of that, Saloon said, if that's how you're going to be with the gift I gave you, well, now silver hurts you. Now silver will, will kill you. It's one of the only ways to deal with you so that the shining children are not having to suffer your abuses when you give to excess. And that's how it is. So there's a way to combat you. By the way, same thing she did with werewolves, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's a it's it's a you'll note that that there's a lot of always a story for it but i like the best hits because it's straight on the nose with no apology we screwed up back in the day so we got penalized well that's what you do you live with it i think yava's the same thing that it would be considered bad form for you to run around and say it that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you the player automatically know because they talk it is an older best that that typically comes to deal with you Mm-hmm. when they find you you know you got to be old enough to be able to take on that responsibility so it could also be because through omission or they just didn't choose to put that down that most likely your own kind finds you because you do have kinfolk and so tribe within tribe within tribe right yeah. but i like how they didn't put that distinction because it easily answers that question what do we do with the first best that found the second one they weren't tribed yet how, how did that work out where did the secrets come from well, that's a secret, isn't it? That's a mystery. We didn't make that clean so you can kind of go with it. But as I took it, there's no harm in knowing what someone else's Java is because it's none of anybody's but that best that's tribe's business anyhow. And why you don't want to use it against them? Because it's mutually assured destruction. If a Khan's using what a Swar knows, their Yava, well, that Swar's going to use their Yava, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's just not done. It's considered more than bad form, and that's how it is. Um. That's how I took it. And uh, that's how more or less it's outlined. Like they got honor amongst themselves and things like that. But being as it may, we have been getting pretty long time with a lot of our pods here. We're eight <laughs> minutes over, folks. I do uh, do appreciate that timing as we uh, we have that out here, though. Um, I hate to end it. There's a lot of good stuff to go in here um, for for those fans wanting to hear more or know more. We do have a, a Patreon here that you sign up. It's one of the privileges our patrons get where we do a lot of behind the mics where we talk about books. We can do some deep dives. We get into a lot of material that is just not possible covering in the one hour uh, that we do in the base. But the one hour of the base is a review of the book to let you know we think there's valuable content to learn more. So tune in there to hear more, hear me and Mike, or possibly others, get into the to the meat of what it is to be a bastard. We're talking allies and associates. Why can't they just hang out with vampires and invite them in, and mages and other supernal? Why is it that bastard can actually hang out in a territory, and their territory can be melded with the Umbra, and use some pretty cool powers, like skipping from one point to the other, or instantly knowing who's in their domain that's a threat to them? their den room so to speak there's a lot of cool things in here to go over and unique gifts all that um we'll get into and uh and behind the mic i I guess we just like you said we're gonna save it right for the behind the mic but they got some they got some cane bro shit in here my man they do (laughs) they do they got some good stuff they got some good stuff and the litany and others too so uh we appreciate your time folks um and tune in to next time as uh next week's requiem but we will get that behind the mic out to you guys uh well in two weeks so we're trying to keep it before the next book comes so we'll we'll leave it there thank you mike thank folks for listening we'll tune in next time see ya thank you for listening to our 25 years of vampire the masquerade podcast If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.